0: I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OB-GYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. I have something special to share with you in this week's episode. So as a part of the Sterling Parents membership, we oftentimes have discussions as a community. And this episode is an excerpt from our discussion about preparing for postpartum. And specifically, I was speaking to my members about how I was preparing for my final postpartum experience. We had a really wonderful discussion about you know, what it takes to move through postpartum what the skills are that really help us um, in that sometimes difficult and vulnerable time. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. gives you a little idea of what Sterling Parents is all about. Enjoy the episode. So we're going to talk about um, what I have done differently um, in each Postpartum, both preparing for and kind of navigating, and um, excited to to you know to talk about this This is top of mind for me right now, and so um, yeah, let's dive in.
1: Exactly, and I want to emphasize that this month our focus is know thyself, which I think is something we often forget in reference to preparing for postpartum. Is such a good point, Cutter. And we read blogs online and we get lists from people who are very different from ourselves. So what I'm really interested from you, Dr. Sterling, is to hear how knowing yourself and kind of going through it on your own, you're customizing it. Because I I see some people here who are pregnant for the first time, and it's hard to know what you would actually need. So I wanted to start off with, when do you even start preparing?
0: Okay, so this is something, and I differ from many people in my um, my answer to this because I really think that we are essentially preparing for postpartum and preparing for that transition in our family, whether it's the first baby or it's our first our fourth baby. I believe that we really start that at the very beginning of pregnancy, and that there are so many lessons in pregnancy that help set us up for and easier postpartum and really just for that transition period. So one of the examples that I like to give is if you have a first trimester in which you are feeling um, really fatigued and you you have symptoms and you start to feel that that stress and that pressure creep in when you're not able to do as much and and get things done, that is a really great opportunity (laughs) to Be gentle with yourself to give yourself grace because you're really going to need that, um, especially in the early postpartum period, but truly as a parent in general, okay? There is a big difference between what we are able to kind of accomplish and power through before we have kids, before we're ever pregnant, and what it's like when you have when you're pregnant or when you have, you know, you're sleep deprived, you have a newborn or you have kids, there's just so much more that's out of your control. And so I think that that's kind of the, that is the big thing about postpartum, right? It's, it is a, a real lack of control. You have um, symptoms that you don't have a lot of control of. You might not have great control of your bladder, you're bleeding. You, you may really want to just go for a run and you can't do that. Or you know you may need sleep, but you don't have control over what your newborn is doing, or you don't have control over your newborn's temperament. You know you think you can read all of the things, and your your baby is sometimes just kind of born how they're born, and you have to navigate that. So I think that it really begins preparation begins at the the, the beginning, and it's so much more about um, being gentle with yourself and and being being a friend to yourself than it is about having the right swaddles and the right, you know, crib and the right gear.
1: So is this something that you figured out after your first postpartum? Is that something you kind of had the feel of? Because I'll give an example for me. If you've been on events with me, this is no shock. I had like the meal prepping. I had postpartum kits in all my bathrooms ready to go the mental aspect wasn't on my radar, yeah. but you could yeah. prepare for it. Yeah. So did you kind of know that going in that it starts at the beginning of pregnancy or was that something that no. took the first time around? Absolutely to not. No, I adjust. was like
0: everybody else. I was like everybody else. And I was prepared. I thought that preparing for a baby meant having the right things. Truthfully. Um, I, I mean, I've, and I've shared this with y'all before. I mean, I, the amount of time I spent on that frickin' nursery, I may, I mean, so much time. And um, I, there was the, the kind of the quintessential, like the metaphor for how wrong I was about what postpartum was going to be like. I spent all this time making this kind of DIY um, canopy for my daughter's room and she was two, maybe two and a half before she ever noticed it. But that was what I thought, you know, that's what I thought preparing for postpartum was. It was just getting stuff ready for baby. And I just, I had no idea about the physical and emotional um, transformation and, and also the transformation of my relationship too.
1: And here's something. So if you're here and you're pregnant and you've never gone through postpartum, like, okay, then how can you get into that mindset? Because I think a lot of people have that shift as they go through their second postpartum. Yeah. And people say all the time, are you ready? Like you're, you're 38 weeks and everyone's like, are you ready? Is there such a thing? Do you think if you're going through your first postpartum, you can answer like, yeah, I'm ready. What, what does ready mean?
0: I think there's different levels of readiness, okay? So um, there is, there is you know, actually being set up and having the clothes and the diapers and all of that. That's a component of being ready, okay? So it's not, we we don't completely dismiss that. That's part of it. And and truthfully, that's what most people, I think, are talking about, you know? Um, So there's that level of just preparing your space and having the things that you actually need to take care of baby, which are far, far fewer than most first-time parents think um, and what you'll see as a first-time parent is that every parent you encounter is like, oh, you have to get this swaddle, you have to use this, or whatever, and what I just will say is that, um, all, like, my, Celeste and Oliver liked different swaddles, they had different, you know, they, they use different things at different times, they use different pacifiers, there just is not one right thing for all kids, and so, you know, yes do your research look into the gear but understand that it's there, there isn't a right answer here and we probably spend way more money than we need to getting all of this gear together it's really we need very little stuff to take care of a newborn so there's that there's that kind of superficial superficial level of readiness and then in terms of emotional readiness i mean there's you can you can go about it different ways okay In general, just keeping things very simple, being really in touch with yourself, with your emotions, um, being kind to yourself, giving yourself grace, all of those things, that's the basis of it, okay, you know, postpartum is hard and you need to be really gentle um, on yourself especially as a first-time parent, you know, it's what's really difficult, at least what was really difficult for me, and I know, Claire, that, you know, this is something that you can identify with as well, is that you may be used to in your life when you try hard and when you do things day after day that you get better at it. And while you will eventually get better at being a parent, you, the growth doesn't, it, it isn't just this like, okay, every day I'm improving and I, it is a little bit more rocky and up and down, and uh, there, you know, it's a human being. It's just, it's not a project. It is, it is so much more than that. And so that is that takes time to get used to. So I think the foundation of being ready is just being, you know, be having grace with yourself and being kind to yourself and giving yourself room for trial and error, for you know, making mistakes, for not knowing what you're doing and, and not necessarily feeling competent in every decision you make. Um, and that's a lot of the things that we talk about in the Sterling Parents' Journey. So that, that Sterling Parents' Journey, those, the nine skills that we talk about here, these are the skills that not only help support your physical and emotional wellness during your pregnancy, but really are that, that's the foundation of the, the, the skills that you need to be the parent that you want to be. Um, So I would say that that is, you know, we have the superficial kind of uh, uh, preparation for baby, it's important, we then have that solid foundation of those nine skills that will really help you um, navigate this, uh, this transition in your life. And I keep saying the word transition, because that is what it is, no matter if it's your first or this is your fourth baby, this is a transition period. So there's that foundation, and then there's different ways to approach it. Some people have, uh, you know, want to see how things go, and they don't want to, you know, do a ton of prep work in advance, and they, you know, they don't want to make all of the kits for, you know, for uh, their bathroom, and they, they want to just get stuff at the hospital, and they don't want to, you know, plan activities for their kit, They just want to see how it goes. And that is a totally valid reason, or I'm sorry, a totally valid way for somebody to prepare for postpartum. Other people want to be very prepared. And for people who want to be very prepared, we, I have an online class that I did with Dr. Cassie, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist that Sterling parents get a, a nice discount on. And that is that type of preparation where we are going to set up your support system, you're going to set up you know the food The the there's you know setting up your kids if you already have kids there's all of that so that's where for people who are like no I want to get into it there are classes like that and there's preparation styles like that but that's not right for everybody
1: I think going off your point of where you don't necessarily get better at doing things every single day because your kids will change. The minute you get breastfeeding down, you introduce solids. The minute if you ever
0: get breastfeeding the,
1: down, <laughs> true, the minute you get sleep down, they drop a nap, stuff like yeah. that. And I think the point is the seasoned moms that I turn to with all my questions, they don't have naps down better than other people. I oh, Those yeah. are the people in my life that realized you have no control over your kids' naps. And yeah. I think that's what being a seasoned parent is. The more you do it, you're like, oh, well, I'm gonna prepare for postpartum different because you're learning about yourself, you're learning you have less control over things. Yeah. I mean, it's always the type A people who walk in with a birth plan and postpartum kits, have a C-section and never need a padsicle and you have 30 in your freezer, because you already did all that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how yeah. it turns out.
0: I, I think that, you know, um, I think that it's important to have, you know, I, I do think that having some knowledge about, what, what's important is just to have some knowledge about kind of what to expect. I think that's really helpful. What to expect from newborn sleep, understanding how newborn sleep works is really, really crucial. And that is something that I did not know in advance that just having some basic knowledge would have been really helpful about, you know, wh- what newborn sleep is like, how often they need to sleep, what conditions you should put them down to sleep. All of that stuff is really helpful. Understanding what to expect from your physical recovery. I think that just having all of that knowledge going into the period can really pay off. But it's, What we want to what we want to do is have that knowledge so that we're able to, um, you know, have a little bit of confidence in our decisions. I don't want to fool anybody into thinking that if you have this knowledge, you're going to know exactly what to do because it's still very overwhelming. But having some basic knowledge about what your physical recovery is going to look like, what you can expect from that, what baby, um, you know you know, what's going to be important, what your pediatrician is going to be asking about with baby, how baby is going to be sleeping, some of the relationship issues that, that can come up. Just like this general level of awareness, I think is really helpful. But we want to stay away from having really strict ideas about, oh, well, I'm going to do this. Like I am going to um, breastfeed for this long and I'm going to sleep train at this, at this time, all of that is um, those rigid ideas are the things that, c- that can be difficult, you know, because then oftentimes reality does not match up with, with what we've planned.
1: And that's why all the experts we brought into Sterling Parents and the Resource Library, we have bite sized an hour video, or I think it's even less than that, where you talk to a sleep consultant yeah. and everyone we bring in doesn't have rigid ideas, even our lactation consultant. It's realistic ways of going about it where you don't have to do a deep dive in the internet and read every sleep article. Here's the gist and it's there for you so that it's a little easier to chip away at.
0: And I see Elizabeth
1: has a question here. If you want to hop on and just- I guess I'm just kind of wondering what the best, are there things to go ahead and prepare to do for myself? so that I can kind of balance my emotional state while caring for a newborn? Like, are there things you can go ahead and prepare for?
0: Yes, I'm so, so, so glad that you brought up this question. And uh, we have plenty of time to to help prepare you. So first and foremost, um, anxiety is, postpartum anxiety is incredibly common. We talk a lot about postpartum depression, but in fact, postpartum anxiety is slightly more common than postpartum depression. And there's a, there's a reason for that, okay? After you give birth, your brain goes through changes, and the fear center of your brain, it's called your amygdala, actually gets larger when you are caring for a newborn. This happens in people who give birth. This happens in their partners. This happens in, in really caretakers who are around small babies. So... Um, you, I would just anticipate that you are going to see an increase in your anxiety postpartum. And uh, we can prepare for that, though. So the, the ways that we um, prepare for somebody who has a, really a history of OCD, depression, anxiety, is we really try to optimize you during pregnancy. And there's different ways to do that, right? So there's, you know, um, there's lifestyle modifications that we can do. We have a really, really great class um, inside the membership called treating anxiety and depression throughout the reproductive um, journey. And um, we'll, we'll put that, you know, in the notes of this, um, this video and we'll put that in the chat as well. And, and Dr. Sarah Orrick does go over a lot of the different modalities and different ways that we treat anxiety and depression because it's not just medication, right? So the different modalities are, um, exercise, nutrition, there is some evidence that there are, um, you know, some aspects of nutrition that can impact our mental health. Um, Sleep is really, really important. And so that is something that as you prepare for baby, educating yourself about newborn sleep will be really helpful. And we have two classes on newborn sleep um, inside the, the membership. So Kind of knowing how baby sleep works can actually really, really help set you up for better sleep at night. Um, for most babies, some babies are really challenging, and there's not a lot you can do. But most having that knowledge, knowing you know to to how often to feed them and to put how to put them down for naps can be really crucial. So um, exercise, nutrition, sleep, um, and then we have the the mindfulness program. Okay, so we know that mindfulness training um, can be as effective for some people as taking medications for anxiety and for depression. It will be difficult to go through our mindfulness program once baby's born. So you have plenty of time to go through that program before baby is born and learn some mindfulness techniques that will help you with your anxiety We truthfully for the rest of your life. And it's a it's an eight to 12 week program um, that's available on the member site. So that's one thing that I would highly highly recommend anybody with anxiety and depression do in pregnancy to help prepare them for postpartum. Um, And if your partner's game to do it, certainly it would be great to do it as a couple too. So those are kind of like the non-medication, the things that you can kind of do in your own life without interacting with the healthcare system to set yourself up for um, an easier time postpartum. Now let's talk about actual treatment modalities. So we're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy or or some form of therapy and then medication, okay? Um, I highly recommend that anybody who has a history of any mental illness touch base with a therapist or a psychiatrist, some mental health care provider during their pregnancy. You may not feel like right now you need to see someone every week or even every month, but just establishing care with somebody is going to be really critical. And then set yourself up for a few appointments postpartum. It's really great if you can have those like you know, telehealth appointments for those Zoom appointments for those meetings, because it is kind of hard to get out, you know, coordinating, breastfeeding and getting out of the house to go to therapy. Not impossible, just challenging. So if you, you know, are able to find a, a health care, um, a mental health care provider where you could potentially like be pumping and talk to them or feeding baby or, you know, just have that flexibility, that would be really nice. So those are the kind of the And then in terms of medication, if you are on medication, um, and it is controlling your anxiety and you, you know, don't, you know, it's not something that we want to stop immediately postpartum. It's something that sometimes we need to even increase doses postpartum. Any questions, um, from that? It actually, the cool thing about mindfulness is, um, it is, we actually see that people who, Engage in mindfulness practices have higher parent satisfaction scores as parents. So that's why I bring in the component of bringing in your partner because it is a really, really helpful tool for parenting, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're somebody who, um, you know, if you have any anxiety or worries or, you know, newborns, they can make a lot of noise. Sometimes they're upset and you don't necessarily know why. And so being able to kind of calm yourself down during those moments when you don't know what's going on is a really helpful skill.
1: And yeah. I'll add, cause I had a generalized anxiety disorder before pregnancy was not medicated. I did therapy throughout pregnancy, which helped me a lot. I second planning an appointment in postpartum, especially cause if you realize in postpartum, you need an appointment, it's really hard to get yourself one to yeah. kind of not have to worry about it and having it there. You can always cancel if you don't have time for it or don't feel like you need it. But I found it really helpful to have a ton of communication with my husband beforehand
0: mm-hmm.
1: of here's where my baseline anxiety is, what we have to monitor for, because it's it's hard to monitor yourself when you're in it, but to have someone outside keeping an eye on how things are going in case you need help. And it was little things like, for my anxiety with a little bit of OCD, the stairs was a huge issue for me. Someone carrying the baby down the stairs. I just, it would set me off. I couldn't handle it. But I was able to talk through it with my husband and be like, I'm not criticizing you as a parent. It's not that I don't trust you. This is something that is related to my anxiety and is something I'm going to have to say 45 times as you walk down the stairs, go slow. You good? You watching? Do you have socks on? And for him to know this is anxiety. This is not me doubting your ability to care for a child. So just that conversation beforehand, I think helped a lot with navigating how it can show up in postpartum
0: and truthfully those thoughts those thoughts about stares and and those kind of scary thoughts that like something bad is going to happen to baby that is by no means exclusive to people who have anxiety disorders mm-hmm. okay that is scary thoughts postpartum are actually really common and obviously they can get to a point where they they are a part of an anxiety disorder but but even people who do not have an anxiety disorder will experience can experience scary thoughts i When, you know, I live by the, um, by the ocean, and there are some cliffs by our house. And when Oliver was a newborn, we went for a walk down there. And my husband and Celeste were kind of playing. They were so far from the edge, y'all. So, so far from the edge. And I was standing back with Oliver. I couldn't even go close to where they were, even though they were nowhere close to the edge. And I kept having this recurring image of Celeste falling into the water. And I forget that I'm carrying Oliver in my carrier and I jump in after her to save her. And I was like, we have to leave. Like I can't, for whatever reason, just be, I'm so far away from the edge here, but I don't feel comfortable. And that's just, that is, you know, our brain postpartum is going through all of these changes in order to, you know, motivate us to take care of this baby. And so I just want to say that like, you know, it is, um, it can be very jarring to have those kind of real irrational, like, not irrational fears, and what a lot of people will experience, too, is, like, they'll wake up in the middle of the night and um, be worried that baby's not breathing, right, and so that's one of the benefits of kind of having baby right next to you in a bassinet to, like, be able to to just look over and check, and, um, but, you know, those scary thoughts, it's, it's a very real thing that happens to a lot of parents, both, you know, um, those who give birth and those who don't after having a baby. What the, the, when it t- comes to scary thoughts, the most, you know, the most kind of important things is not to, um, not to criticize yourself for having them, not to tell yourself, oh my gosh, I'm going crazy. Really just warm acceptance and kindness. And that's one of the things that the mindfulness program will teach you how to approach difficult thoughts, negative thoughts with warmth and kindness. And so what I said to myself in that moment, I had to remove myself from the situation. It was mm-hmm. like, we have to, we have to go away from these cliffs. Cause I'm like, I'm having like, my heart is starting to race. I have to remove myself from the situation. But while doing that, I'm saying, okay, Christine, you know that this is a part, that this is a thing that happens postpartum. This is a scary thought, even though it's not real, you know, it's okay to, to remove yourself from the situation. It's not like, oh, you should be able to just handle it, right? No, it's like, okay, I need to remove myself from the situation. I need to walk away. Um, this is, you know, your brain is going through, you know, a a transformation, there's a lot of things happening, and it's okay, and this will get better, Um, and that's what we see, is that for most people, the scary thoughts and and the anxiety, they will kind of peak postpartum, and then they'll come back to a baseline, so if you have a baseline of anxiety, it's, you know, it's not that it's going to completely go away, but most people kind of feel an increase in their symptoms, and, and it does come back down, um, at some point, and if it doesn't, then it's like okay. Then let's let's talk about treatment options. But um, just kindness to yourself.
1: Yeah, and I think what can be really helpful is again knowing yourself. What helps take you out of re- like a downward spiral of anxiety or rumination? Walking outside barefoot, doing like whatever works for you. Yeah, I like having lists because again, you're sleep deprived. It's, it's not the time to think through what's helpful to look at a list and be like, let's try some of these things because Gina says that is like reasoning through it and being logical to cry to get out of it is great. But as someone with an anxiety disorder, my body, I can reason all I want to kind of like Christine, you said you had to remove yourself from the cliffs is how to calm your body back down. And the Mind-Body Connection Workshop is great for that too, kind of understanding how that works. And sometimes you can't think your way out of anxiety. Yeah. And how are you going to release it from your body? You reminded me, Gina, talking about the car. An infant crying in the back of a car is the most triggering experience in my entire life because there's yeah. nothing you can do
0: nothing yeah yeah I, I mean I, I laugh because I remember what it was like what driving with a newborn crying the big be- like when I was a brand new parent versus now where like you know hubby and I will just be like having <laughs> a conversation you're yeah. just like yeah you just like kind of move it it's just like such a drastic you know it's just so drastic, the difference. Um, but what I, what I will say is that's one of the, the really nice things about therapy too, is that your therapist can walk you through different, you know, there's so many different strategies to deal with kind of feeling anxious in a moment. Um, you know, there's breathing techniques. I really like the, um, there's one uh, that Dr. Cassidy, who um, is a, again, a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a friend of mine. She always talks about the the shh. It's a, a breathing technique where you take a deep breath in and then you make a shush on the on the out breath and it stimulates your vagal nerve, which turns on some um, the rest and digest system. And also, especially if you have a crying baby that you're holding, like it can help that that shushing sound helps calm them too. So there's breathing techniques. There's other Um, techniques where, um, you know, when you're in the middle of having anxiety, where you you will um, start naming things that you see or that you smell, and you're engaging your different senses, there's all these different ways to manage it. And so that's one of the really nice things about, um, you know, having a a therapist to kind of talk to, is they can talk you through these different methods, because not every single technique is going to work the same for every person. So yeah.
1: So you already mentioned how you're in the car postpartum second time around and how it's so different than the first yeah. time. Yeah. So yeah. I'd love to hear how you changed things from Celeste to Oliver and yeah. if you changed anything again as you're preparing this time around. Okay.
0: So first, okay. So there's a few things. Number one, I refreshed my memory on newborn sleep I mean, I didn't, I knew nothing about newborn sleep going into Celeste and I had no, I like the idea of wake windows, you know, that what would happen with Celeste is that we didn't realize that, that, you know, she was, had been awake for too long and she would get fussy. And then we would think like, oh, let's try like, you know, we thought it was feeding her, but she wasn't calming down and she wasn't, she was having difficulty breastfeeding. So that was really stressful. So the first thing I did is just refresh myself. And we're talking about basics, okay? Um, There's, you know, wake windows, putting them down um, at least once a day in, you know, not having all of the naps um, on on a person. The naps when they're sleeping on you. I mean, I'm going to really soak that up this time for sure. But I made sure at least once a day, Oliver was going down for a nap in a bassinet and, um, you know, swaddled with a sound machine and let him do a little bit of like, you know, not crying because you don't want to let newborns cry, but let him kind of fall asleep, Um, you know, not putting him down already asleep. Um, That was really helpful. He kind of learned how to fall asleep on his own in those, um, in those naps. So... um, Paying attention to wake windows, knowing the, knowing what a tired baby looks like, and that some of the signs that baby is tired and needs to be put down. I oftentimes found that my kids actually tended to have shorter wake windows than the published norms that people talk about. You know, I found that my newborns have always like forty five minutes is like a pr- that's oftentimes when they would start getting tired. And it's like, you know, you see things like they gaze off to the side, their eyes will get a little bit red. Um, Oliver, for whatever reason, typically giggling, and this is later on because newborns don't really giggle, but typically giggling is like a later sleep sign. For him, it was one of his first early sleep signs. So just getting, you know, understanding sleepy cues, wake windows, putting baby down to sleep um, once on their own. Uh, feeding baby every like two hours um, and and not letting them sleep. Like first time mom, I was like, oh, don't wake a sleeping baby. I let Celeste sleep for four hours. Oh, there is no way I would let a baby sleep for four hours Was a second, third time mom. No, you are, you get a two hour nap max. You're going to be woken up. You're going to be fed. I, you want to, you know, get those calories in during the day so they're not waking up at night. So just like, honestly, it's really basic stuff. And um, that is a huge, a huge difference between my first postpartum, my second postpartum is really focusing on reminding myself of all the newborn sleep stuff. Um, second thing that was different was uh, the 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 pressure to breastfeed. I had just like it was a very much um, it was a let we will see you know, we will see, made sure that I had, um, knew where I would get breastfeeding support if need be. But, um, there was not this overwhelming pressure that, you know, it must happen. So that was something that was different. Um, oh, and then the third thing was really prepare, like making my space, our bedroom, really getting that organized and making that nice. The nursery, the I do not. There's no nursery for this baby. <laughs> there's no. <laughs> Oliver is in the crib right now that that baby will eventually be in. Hopefully, you know, we won't have to buy a second crib Though we may. There's no nursery for this baby. Oliver, there's a boy's room that eventually somehow we will fit this baby into the boy's room and Celeste is her room. There's no nursery. Um, it's really about our, you know, our bedroom is going to be uh, for us, it is command central for newborns. So we have bassinet, we have a changing station in our room, we have clothes in our room. Everything happens in our room, and so you know, with Oliver, I I got some, you know, we organized the room. I got some plants, like some just some stuff that made me feel really comfortable and like for me, being organized and having that space nice, and you know, having you know, the bathroom kind of set up with, with my supplies. I really like the, uh, oh my gosh, is it freedom mom? Am I saying, is it freedom mom? Yeah. yeah I really mm-hmm. like the freedom mom supplies. Um, and we'll be definitely getting those, uh, uh, again. And so, yeah, just my, I focus on my space. The, the, the nursery is, you know, and some people spend more time in their nursery and that's great too, but really think about your comfort, um, in those spaces. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you were looking for more support from me during your pregnancy journey, head over to sterlingparents.com to learn more about our membership. The Sterling Parents membership now comes with a private Instagram account where members can send me direct messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pregnancy is hard. You deserve support. Head over to sterlingparents.com to get the best support available for your pregnancy.